when you see it in person, you realize, oh, it's completely different. It's not as clean and as organized as an anatomy model looks like. And I just remember just thinking, this is the coolest thing ever, seeing her dissect the appendix and describe what it looks like and tell me what kinds of things she looked for. And I'm really grateful that I got the shadow because I think, you know, it might, not everyone might be able to handle what actual organs look like. Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strang. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, forensic science, and how these fields are evolving. For pathologist assistants, you need shadowing experience to get accepted into a training program. Yet I hear all the time how it's difficult to find these opportunities. Pathologist assistant Olivia Josephson is here today and we talk all about shadowing. How do you find shadowing opportunities? And if you're the one being shadowed, what do you get out of this? We'll talk about all of that and more in today's episode. All right, let's get into it with Olivia Josephson. We're going to be talking about shadowing for pathologist assistants specifically, but I just want to be clear at the beginning. I think a lot of the things we're going to be talking about can be applied to other laboratory professions. So I just wanted to mention that at the beginning, because if anybody's listening and they go, well, I'm not a PA, I don't intend to be a PA, I'm going to skip this one. I think you'll still get something out of this episode. Uh, so just kind of bear with us, I guess. <laughs> so, Okay. And so let's start then just to get a little bit of context with you, Olivia. Let's kind of start with your story first. So how did you discover the PA field and how'd you get into it? Yeah. So I literally discovered the PA field through a Google search. So my background is actually in microbiology. I have a bachelor's and master's in it. And when I was finishing up my master's program, I was sort of kind of panicking, like, oh my God, I'm graduating. I need to get a job. And I knew I wanted to work in medicine and work in something in a laboratory setting. So I was Googling jobs in the laboratory. And that took me to the ASCP website where it kind of outlined the different fields, you know, being a medical tech. And then I came across the PA field. And I remember reading it and thinking, oh my God, if I had known about this a few years prior, I would have pursued this. However, I was already finishing up school and it was a rigorous program. So I had no intention of going back to school. So I kind of just thought maybe in another life, that's something I would have done. So three months later, I'm working in infection prevention and COVID happened. And COVID completely changed my day-to-day at my job. And it forced me to work from home. Mm -hmm. And it kind of forced me to reassess what I wanted to do with my life. I missed working in a laboratory So I kind of just figured, you know what, let me pursue the PA field a little more. Let me just apply and see what happens. If I don't get into a program, you know, it's a sign. So I applied to a program. Sure enough, I got into Quinnipiac's PA program and I haven't looked back since. It's the best thing I could have done. Okay, I see. Now, you said you went to Quinnipiac and I I think you told me that shadowing wasn't required to get into that program, but you did it anyway. Yeah, so it wasn't required. However, I still wanted to get some shadowing experience because, you know, I had already had a job. It would have been a big risk leaving if I wasn't 100% certain that this was something I wanted to do. So I wanted to, you know, 
get some sh- at least a day of shadowing experience just so I could see the day to day, see how I could handle being around live specimens. And so I just, I wanted to be 100% certain that this was something that I wanted to do. Okay, I get it. And I, we're going to get into a little bit later how, <laughs> for people who are trying to find shadowing experiences, how to do that. Yeah. Uh, but you talk a little bit more about your experience. You, so you did just one day of this. What was it like? What kind of things did you learn? Yeah, so this was during COVID. So I could only really get in for one day because they were still limiting, you know, who could be in the hospital. And I remember going down into the lab and they had me done all the PPE. And I remember seeing, you know, appendixes, placentas, gallbladders, breast, things like that. And I was just amazed. But I was mostly amazed just at how organs look in person. Because, you know, when you're not working in this field, you can only kind of imagine what our organs actually look like through anatomy models. And when you see it in person, you realize, oh, it's completely different. It's not as clean and as organized as an anatomy model looks like. And I just remember just thinking, this is the coolest thing ever. Seeing her dissect the appendix and describe what it looks like and tell me what kinds of things she looked for. And I'm really grateful that I got to shadow because I think, you know, it might, not everyone might be able to handle what actual organs look like. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I think I could handle seeing bloody specimens. However, when you're actually in the room with, you know, a necrotic leg, it's different, you know? Oh, yeah. Very very much. You you might not know how you're going to react until you're actually there. Right. And I think that's a really important point. And and again, this applies to any other laboratory field. It's important to do shadowing or, or to have shadowing experience, I guess is a better way to put it, before you get into the field. Because what if you go through all of the the classes and you realize you, this isn't really for you or you don't really like it or it's not something you want to do for the rest of your career. Mm-hmm. So it's important to have that experience before you even get into yeah. it. Yeah. And not even just working with the specimens, just, you know, the day-to-day other things that PAs do in the lab, you know, being around formalin, dealing with requisition sheets, having to deal with labeling errors, things like that. I think it's important to see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned the formalin, that definitely oh, yeah. that smell being there all of, all of the time. <laughs> some people don't don't like it or, or, you know, maybe can't handle it or just don't want to handle yeah, it. Yeah. Some people are more sensitive than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just talking to someone who, uh, it's a, someone who has been shadowing me and she works as a grossing tech where she is right now. And at the, the ventilation, there's something like it's not good enough or something, but there's a constant formal and fume smell and it, and it bothers mm-hmm. her. And that's, you know, something to keep in mind. And even I remember when I was first starting out, I worked with a pathologist who was allergic to formalin. Wow. And yeah, and he sometimes because this was back, you know, I, I was I was a lab assistant at the time, so it was before we had a PA, and so so the pathologists were grossing, and they would kind of rotate or take turns, whatever. And it was like I would watch him, and he's like, he'd have to stop every once in a while because the the fumes were too Ooh, much. For yeah, him. yeah. And I asked him one time, I'm like, how did you, why did you even go into this field if you're allergic to formalin? That doesn't. And he said, well, most of the time I'm at the scope, so it's not a mm-hmm. big deal. And he said, otherwise, you know, there, there's ventilation, so it's usually, you know, manageable at least. But, and he was, he was older too, so he'd been doing that a long time. 
I, I can't imagine being alert, basically being allergic to your job. Yeah, I, I, my first job was in a pediatric setting. And in pediatrics, we deal with a lot of specimens fresh. And so now that I'm in, I just started a new job in a, you know, an adult hospital where everything's in formalin. It's taking me some time to get used to the, the strong smell. You know, my eyes are burning a little bit every day. It's definitely, yeah, if, if you're allergic to it, I don't know how you could do it every day. Yeah, I, I never could understand <laughs> that. It, that's interesting that your experience was, it seems like it was just overall positive. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm very grateful for the experience. Mm-hmm. And was this like, after doing that, you're like, yes, this is definitely the, the field for me. Is that, is that your impression coming out of yeah, that? Yeah, I submitted my application, I think, the next day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. The, the next thing I want to get into is like, why is shadowing important? And this is kind of from the point of view of the prospective students. Mm-hmm. And we kind of covered at least, you know, you're getting sort of an idea of w- what the field is all mm-hmm. about. And I think that that's probably a good place to start. Yeah. So, you know, these schools, not every school requires students to have shadowing. However, I think they like to see you have shadowing experience because there's only so many seats in each program. You know, they want their students to be certain that this is something that they want to do. So I think I just think it's important just to see what you're getting into. It's probably good to kind of shadow in different areas, too. I know some of the programs require not only surgical pathology shadowing, but autopsy shadowing as well. Mm-hmm. And and that makes sense to me because in a lot of places, PAs are doing autopsies. So you want to make sure you can handle that, too. Oh, yeah. An autopsy. I remember my first autopsy. It's, it's I was not expecting it to be what it was at all. And I didn't see my first autopsy until I was already in the field. So fortunately, you know, I was able to handle it. However, I mm-hmm. I could see students having a hard time getting autopsy shadowing because at these hospitals, you know, not every hospital does a lot of autopsies. You know, the hospital I'm at now, we get like, I think 10 a year. So I don't know okay. how, what other ways that these students can get autopsy shadowing experience. Yeah, it seems like some of it, I've, I've heard of people kind of getting hold of a medical examiner's right. office and trying to get some experience that way. But I feel like that's got to be, I mean, these places are very busy and who knows how much time they have or willingness they have to, to do shadowing because of the amount of work they have, which is understandable. Yeah. And different offices and settings have different safety policies too. You know, they don't want people to be in the room that don't need to be in there. Just God forbid something, something happened or you know, patient information got, got out, things like that. Right. Yeah. Do you think it's important for PAs to experience, say, shadowing in like frozen section or maybe just kind of, um, you know, watching what the histotechs do, you know, and tissue processing, all, all of that stuff? Yeah. I think it's important to see a specimen's entire journey throughout the lab. And because when you see a PA doing frozen section, that's a really big part of our job. And it's a, critical part too, because we're doing these sections while a patient is under anesthesia. They're relying on us to, you know, be able to be proficient in our job. And I also think it's important for, because the PA and histotech relationship is an important one. The histotechs rely on the PAs to adequately sample and not only adequately sample, but also make sure our, our slices are thin enough so that you can understand why our slices have to be thin enough and why histotech you know, why they do certain stains and why they cut things certain ways and things like that. So 
I definitely think it's important to see the entire process from where your specimen's on the table to where it's being cut by a histotech and then stained and then it lands on a pathologist's desk. You know, there's a patient behind every sample and we're, get, we're in this field to help patients from behind the scenes. Yes, I love it. That's, that's a very, very important point. There is a patient behind every sample, even though we, we never see those patients and those patients probably don't don't even realize what we're Mm-mm. doing. And you're right. I I try to, every, every time I have someone sh- come in shadow, I try to give them sort of a little tour of the department. And so they can see, like you said, the entire process from beginning to yeah. end. And and understand that our, prior, our part as PAs is just the beginning. I really don't think anyone really understands what we do until they're actually in the field. Because, you know, everyone goes to the doctor at some point and they interact with a doctor, a physician assistant, a nurse, they can kind of get an idea of what that person is doing. However, we don't have patients visiting our lab. We just have their specimens. So, you know, people don't have that experience already coming in unless they're directly pursuing this. Right. That's true. And that's probably true for, for any position in the mm-hmm. lab. Yeah, I would think we're just, you know, we like, we like to say we're behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So, which is very true. So another reason to be involved with shadowing, I think, if if you're able to, is to get, even if you're not trying to get people in, you know, into the field, just to give more exposure to the field and, and show how important we are. Yeah. I think anyone who might be interested in a field in medicine should do more research into the lab because the laboratory is a big part of medicine and they just, they don't know they don't know it exists. They don't know what the day-to-day looks like. So I think if a field of medicine is something you're considering, then do some research into the lab because those jobs are those jobs are important too and they exist. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I like it. All right. You know, I did a little bit of research. I went on kind of each of the program's websites and to try to find out which ones required shadowing and which ones don't. And it seems like, and, and this is just me just looking at, you know, just doing like, searches on, on websites so this is there might be a little bit of error there but it seems like the the canadian uh pathologist assistant programs don't require shadowing mm-hmm. but most of the u.s ones do in fact yeah they either they or if they don't require it they might say that it is you know preferred or recommended yeah which i remember in my interview you know even though my program didn't require it they did comment that they liked that i had shadowed because, you know, again, mm-hmm. you see what you're getting into. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Like, do you think that that gave you kind of a, a bit of an advantage that you did have the shadowing, even though it wasn't required? 100%. And I think these students know yeah. that, too. I think prospective students know that they these they want they want to show that they're serious to these programs. That makes sense. All right. So that's, that's a really good point. Uh, and then the ones that did require shadowing, it looks like, there was quite a lot, a wide range, mm-hmm. anywhere from two hours minimum to, I think I found like one, one at 30 to 40 hours, Yeah, that's which seems, seems like a lot. But again, I, the, I guess the more experience you have, the, the better off you're going to be. So it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I think I, I think I shadowed for an entire day because another, I believe it was Rosalind Franklin, they require eight hours. So I was like, okay, eight hours, that's that's one day of shadowing. And again, this was during COVID. So that was really all I could get at the time. So, you know, these programs are sure. requiring, you know, 
30 plus hours, I could, I could see students being stressed out about that and getting those hours. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but at the same time, yeah, it would be stressful to get those hours. You'd have to do it over a pretty long length of time, Mm -hmm. but imagine the, uh, the experience you'd get from that. Oh yeah. I think you'd, 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 you'd be, you'd have a pretty good advantage and have a really good idea of what the field is like after 30 hours shadowing. I think another point too, like you don't have to do all those hours at one time. Like you did your, you know, eight hours at a, at a, uh, at, at once. But like where I work, we usually have people come and shadow for two, sometimes three hours in a, in a day. And then if, you know, if they want more and, and they often do, they come back, you know, in a couple of weeks or, uh, I have someone who shadows me every week for two hours. Mm-hmm. And has been doing that for for several months. So, and I'll talk about that later. Yeah, because again, because uh, yeah, because again, you know, a lot of these people that are pursuing the PA field, they're they're a lot of the times they already work in a lab setting, and so these people who are mm-hmm. working and they have jobs and they may not be able to take the entire day off to go shadow somebody, you know, or they can't afford to lose out on that pay or use their PTO. So, you know, I think some people can only do an hour or two here and there. Yeah, and that's that's totally fine. A, a lot of people do it that way. So let's get into. I I know you you said um you know it, you you found a, a way to shadow uh, even though it wasn't required. And I want to talk about how you did that because I think that let's let it get into from the perspective students' perspective because I've heard a lot of people say it's hard to find someone to shadow. Mm-hmm. And so so let's talk about how how you did it. And maybe we'll get into some other ways of how you can, how, how people can do that. Yeah. So I personally, like I had said, I was already, I was working in infection prevention for a local hospital. And infection prevention is a department where we work with various departments, including the lab. And so I reached right out to my direct supervisor and I said, hey, you know, this is something I'm interested in pursuing. Do you have any contacts in the laboratory that you could put me in contact with? for me to be able to get some shadowing hours. And sure enough, she did. She put me into contact with the lab director. So I sent him a very nice email, CC'd her on it, and he was able to get me in contact with the PA. And so we were able to schedule a time for me to come in. Okay, that sounds very simple and straightforward. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, it, was, and it worked out for yeah. you. It sounds like great. I was already in the hospital setting, so that I feel was a big barrier to get over. We're allowed right. to get over. It's just getting into an actual hospital. All right. Well, let's talk about that. How do people, if they're not already in the hospital setting, how do you do that? How do you find a, a PA or someone that you can email or, or I guess even call um, to, just to arrange a shadowing experience for yourself? Yeah. So I, I believe in using the internet and using technology. It's a big tool in this yeah. day, as we know. And I'm also mm-hmm. a big fan of, you know, using social media. I'm not shadowing, but I was able to get one of my clinical rotations through social media, which led to my first job. So I, I sent out a tweet and was like, hey, you know, I live in this area. I had something fall through with one of my clinical rotations and I'm looking for something in the area. Does anyone know anyone who can get me in contact? And sure enough, one of my colleagues retweeted it and it got a lot of attention onto other people's pages. And someone from that facility sent me a message and said, hey, I might be able to help you out. Here's my email. Let's let's chat. So I think, you know, either 
using social media the way I did or a Google search and finding contact information online. I've heard of students, you know, Googling these hospitals, Googling lab or finding contact information for lab personnel and reaching out to them either through email or through cold calling. However, I feel email might be a better way to get in contact with someone. Do you think email is a better way than doing it through social media? I think that might be a better place to start. However, if you feel you're not getting anywhere with that, then you might want to reach out to mm. your network because social media is a tool to network with people. That's what it was made for. And I feel, you know, you, you don't know who, who knows who until you reach out. So I think just sending, right. sending out that first, hey, can anyone help me out with this? You don't know who, who could help you out. You don't know who you're going to get into contact with. You know, obviously be smart with that. Don't just, you know, get into contact with strangers. However, right. you know, if you know someone who knows someone, then I feel that's a good, it's a good avenue to get that opportunity. Something that, that we talk about all the time where I work is our field is small. Oh yeah. The pathology assistants, <laughs> there's around 3000 of us in the yeah, country. Everyone knows everyone. Yes, exactly. So even if you, you send out a message, you send out an email to someone and they can't help you, they probably know someone who can. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be a PA. Yeah. It could be someone who might work in, in central or in chemistry. They, they're close enough in the laboratory that they could, they might be able to go walk over to the grocery room and be like, hey, I have a, I have a student who's interested in shadowing. Can you help them out? You don't know. It's last. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you're right. So it's important to take that first step and just to ask. Yeah. And I think even some of the training programs have, like I know for, for me, because I'm in Milwaukee and so Rosalind Franklin is pretty close and there's a, a, a PA program starting up in uh, Carroll University, which is kind of right next to Milwaukee. Oh. Um, and so I'm kind of, I guess on their their list or wh okay. whatever it is, like if they have people contact them and they're looking for someone to shadow, they have a sort of a group of people that they put these people in touch with and I'm one of them for two those two programs. Um, so I think that that's another avenue you can look at is just contact the training programs and see if they can put you in touch with somebody. And again, it, even if they put you in touch with someone and that person can't help you, they probably know someone who can't. Definitely. Yeah, I believe I've told students to reach directly out to whatever program that they're interested in applying in and ask the program directors, hey, what do you recommend I do? Because also, again, like you said, everyone knows everyone. These program directors, they're probably PAs themselves. They've done rotations. You know, I have contacts in Texas, in Connecticut, in California, you know, and a lot of us do because we went to, pro there's only so many programs. People come from all over the country to go to these programs. So you build those relationships. So again, you know, even if this person might not know someone, they definitely can get you in contact with someone that can help. Yes, for sure. All right. So now here you are, you're a prospective student and you've got your kind of short list of people to contact and you're getting ready to send these emails. Now let's talk about how to craft an email because there's kind of an art to that, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I believe, I think you want to be as formal as possible because you're emailing someone that you don't know. You don't know how they're going to receive a text that might seem casual. You know, you're asking this person to do you a pretty big favor to take time out of their busy work day to get you shadowing right. experience. So 
I think you want to be respectful of that person and their time. So I say be as formal as possible, introduce yourself, get to the point of what you want. You know, don't send a lengthy email of why you want to do this, why you want to do that. You know, you can get into that when you're actually with the person and shadowing, however. Um, yes. Yeah. Be, and be respectful of that person's time. Ask them when they're free. Don't start off with when you're free because, yeah. again, you're working off of their schedule, essentially. So I think, and I think that's important too. Note that. And yeah, give your contact information in. The worst anyone can say is no. And if they say no, then, you know, you go to plan B. You made a good point there is is try to be flexible with their schedule because they are, you know, they're at work. They're doing you a favor while they're supposed to be working. Mm -hmm. And so if you you email and say, I'm only available at these days and these times, that sends the wrong message, I think. I, yeah, I've seen emails from students where they kind of were very curt and informal and just said, oh, I'm free this day. Does that work? I think once the PA you're trying to get in contact with gives you their schedule, then you can get into, okay, well, what about this day, this day, things like that. But yeah, you definitely, (laughs) definitely want to be as respectful as possible with their time. Right. Yeah. Because you you have to understand that we we still need to get our work done. Uh, There's certain parts of the day or maybe even certain days of the week that just aren't going to work because of, you know, volume. Like I know Tuesdays at my hospital are a no. I'm that's our OB guy day and we get just nonstop mm. with, you know, uteruses and ovaries. And I don't have time to walk right. through it with someone. Right. Yeah. No, we have, we have days <laughs> like that too. So, yeah. Totally understand. So now you've got, you, you've sent your email and you've hopefully connected with this person and you've scheduled the time and now you're going to come in and, and shadow them. And I want to get into, because I've seen this question a lot and social media and things like that, like you're there and you're, you're watching someone gross and you're, and it's like, what, what questions should I ask? And, and, you know, or should I even ask questions? Definitely ask questions because I think it's good for the, it's good for the PA to, you know, go into their, their brain and find the right answer for you. It, it kind of helps you reiterate what you know. So definitely don't be afraid to ask questions. I don't think there's a dumb question. Ask things like, oh, why do you cut it like this? Why do you ink? Why do you ink is a, is a great question because that's, that's an open-ended one. There's a lot of reasons why we yep. ink specimens. Um, but also yeah. don't be afraid to ask things like, oh, what's your favorite specimen? What do you like working with the most and why? Things like that. Those are all great. You're trying to show that you're interested in what you're seeing. Yeah. Um, and you're right. And And like you said, it's... I, I've noticed that too. Like people are asking questions and then you have to get, you have to stop and go and, and try to decide how to word your answer. So it really, it keeps you on your Whoa, toes too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to be like, Oh, I don't know. Cause that makes you look bad as a PA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, definitely like, why are you cutting it that way? Why are you inking this or, or, or why do you ink at all? And then why are you taking the sections that you're taking and, why do you have to measure these margins mm-hmm. or the size of, of, of these structures, things like that? Those are all really good questions to ask. Yeah, or like, what is a margin? You know, they'll be... Right. If, if a PA... Or ask what a certain tool does, you know? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think you should be afraid to ask. Students should be afraid to ask any any question. Yeah. I, I prefer the easier questions like, oh, what's your favorite specimen to work with? Or what's the mm-hmm. craziest specimen you've ever seen? Or things like that. 
That's a good question. Yeah. Because that that often leads to a very interesting story. And because, you know, we also, we, we don't just deal with cancer. We deal with various disease processes. We deal with you know, anything removed from the body. Sometimes someone swallows something they shouldn't have swallowed in. So mm-hmm. <laughs> get you get foreign objects and things like that. So those are those are all things that are interesting that people don't think about. Yeah. So I think the, the basic message here is there really isn't too basic of a question. <laughs> and you definitely should ask questions. And you're there to get an understanding of what the job is. And the best way to do that is to ask questions. Yeah. And I think the more questions you ask, you know, you're going to build a relationship with the person that you're shadowing and you might need that person for a letter of recommendation someday. So you definitely want to show you're interested and, you know, get to know them a little bit better on a personal level. I want to get into that. But before we do, first, like, I wanted to kind of touch on some people like, how do I dress or how how am I supposed to act? Things like that. What what do you think about that? Um, So as far as dressing, I I, I think scrubs, you know, you can get a pair of scrubs on Amazon. Mm -hmm. They come in all different colors and all different sizes. Uh, but I know some people might dress like business casual because every, yeah. every lab will probably have, you know, a gown for you to put on so that you don't get, you know, so you don't get dirty or anything. But I'd say if you can't get a hold of some scrubs, business casual, you know, just maybe dress pants and a nice and a nice top and comfortable shoes. Right. Shoes are probably the biggest thing because you might be standing all day. I'm a fan right. of, you know, the work Crocs, I think they're very comfortable, or dance goes, things mm. like that, or sneakers. Just sneakers are fine too. Yeah, I think we we usually go with the suggesting business casual where I work. Yeah, and then but, as far as how you act, you know, you still want to maintain some decorum, even if you see something that's really gross. You don't want to go, oh my god, that's disgusting. You know, keep thought, <laughs> keep right. thought like that to yourself. But yeah, just you know, be yourself and. Be inquisitive and don't be afraid to talk to the other people in the lab too. You know, feel free to ask questions to the person who is doing the accessioning or if a histotech comes in. Yep. You know, you wanna you wanna show that you're interested and just be as outgoing as you possibly can. Right. Now now that kind of goes back to what, what you mentioned just a little bit ago about build, you're building a relationship with the person you're shadowing. And part of that, if you're friendly with the rest of the lab staff. That makes a good impression. Because mm-hmm. they'll, they'll talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everyone yeah, will talk. <laughs> right. This is the People of Pathology podcast, and we're talking about shadowing with Olivia Josephson. We'll be right back. LabVine is an interactive online learning platform where laboratory professionals learn, develop, and discover by sharing knowledge and building on each other's experience. The platform provides global access to internationally accredited laboratory-specific courses and other resources developed by lab specialists like us for the laboratory industry. LabVine is free to sign up, and you can use the link in the show notes to get started. If you're trying to understand the ever-changing world of digital pathology and image analysis, there's a new course that can help you, Pathology 101 for Tissue Image Analysis. Now, this course was created by Dr. Alexandra Zhurov, who you might remember from episode 53 of this podcast. She also writes the Digital Pathology Place blog and hosts the Digital Pathology Podcast. Pathology 101 for Tissue Image Analysis aims to bridge the gap between computer science and pathology and explains some of the complicated concepts in image analysis. You can sign up for this course by following the link in the show notes. Now back to Olivia Josephson on the People of Pathology Podcast. All right, so you've done your shadowing now. 
And here's, here's one that I wanted to talk about because a lot of people miss this one. Following up with the PA that you shadow. Mm -hmm. Should, should you do this and how should you do this? I think you definitely should follow up. Just a quick, not, not, you know, base it off of how your day went. But I think an email saying, you know, thank you for taking the time out of your day to show me the lab and show me what you do. Maybe comment on what your favorite part of the day was. And I think end it with, I hope we can remain in contact. If there's another day I could come in, I would hope that you could, you know, allow me to come in for another day if you're if you're interested in doing that. If you hated the lab and you don't think you want to be a P anymore, I think you should, still should send a follow-up just thanking the person for that time. Because again, you want to be as respectful as possible and maintain a good relationship with that person that did you a favor. Right. So like you said, it's a good idea to send a follow-up email. We had someone... I think it was last summer and she shadowed us for, I think, parts of, of two days. And within hours of the second, of, the, of her being there the second day, she sent an email to all of us. There was four of us PAs and it was very nice. And she was like, thank you so much for taking the time to let me shadow you. And then it was like, I learned these things. She made like a, a list of like these things. And it was, you could tell she had really paid attention because she she said what she learned from each of us. Aww. Yeah, and that, that was our reaction. Really nice. All of us were like, "Oh, yeah." And it was, and, and she said like almost word for word things that I had explained to her for for, for all of us. So she was really paying attention. It was I w- I should have kept a copy of that because it was the perfect follow up email. I like what you said that you know she showed that she paid attention and she commented on what yeah. each of you taught her because that just shows that she really was interested and she really appreciated what you did for her. Oh, I think, yeah. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. She even, I, she had like a notebook. Some, I, some people bring a notebook and they take notes and some people don't. And I don't, I don't know that that's required, but it, it, she really was paying attention and she really, I think she really learned a lot from us, which, which was great. Yeah. I had a student shadow me once for like, just like an hour. And the next day she just came with like a piece of paper and was like, can you sign off that you shadowed, that I shadowed you? And I was like, ooh, mm, ooh. Yeah. that I didn't, I didn't yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Not so good. Not so good. And yeah, I've, I've had that happen too, which, okay. Then now, now that brings us to, you, you mentioned this before letters of recommendation. Mm-hmm. And this is, I don't think people realize this is kind of one thing. And not only are you trying to shadow and get an idea of what the field is, but you Often, I think most, or if not all of the programs require letters of recommendation and some of them allow them from and and recommend them from someone you Mm -hmm. shadowed. So it's important to build that relationship. Now, I want to talk about when is it appropriate to to ask for a letter of recommendation and and then how do you do it? Yeah, I think you don't want to immediately be like, oh, will you write me a letter? Because I think that just shows that you are only... You know, you're really only interested in this person's time so that they could help you get a letter. I think maybe give it like a week or two after you've already followed up. I think you should absolutely send a follow-up thank you email before you ask for a letter of recommendation. Um, So I'd say maybe give it a week and or just whenever you're in your process of applying and you actually 
need to start get the ball rolling on getting a letter. I think send a separate email. Reintroduce yourself in case, you know, they don't remember because some facilities might have a bunch of students shadowing all the time. Reintroduce yourself Mm -hmm. and let them know. I would just ask them as again, as formal as possible and ask them, hey, would you mind writing me a letter of recommendation? You know, I think just come right out with it and let them know, you know, I really appreciated what you taught me about the field and it just solidified that this was something I wanted to pursue. And also say, you know, and if if uh, if you can't write me a letter, you know, I understand you don't want to cause any bad blood with someone because, again, if you're trying to get into this field, it's a small field. You want to maintain those connections with someone. Right. And again, the worst thing someone can say is no. It might not be as it might not be personal. It might just be a timing thing. And yeah, I don't think these programs require. Not every program requires a letter of recommendation from a PA you shadowed because I don't, I didn't have the PA I shadowed write me a letter. You know, I had my supervisors and former professors write me letters just because I had, I had better relationships with, they they knew me more opposed to the person Mm -hmm. who I just shadowed for a day. But yeah, I think, I think there's no shame in asking the PA you shadowed for a letter. They're, they they met you. They know the field. They know what kinds of things to say. That's a good point. Like we know what the programs are, are looking for in a PA, or at least we have a, a pretty good idea. I think though it's you know you've you've sent your follow up email thanking them. If there's a period of time between when you shadow and when you need that letter of recommendation, it's a good idea to keep in touch mm-hmm. with that person in between some time. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's where that that's I think it's a good idea then to come up with you know you're th- if you're thinking about what you saw when you were shadowing and maybe you have another question. Yeah. And that that's a good idea to do that. To, and then again you so you're keeping in touch with this person, you're still building that relationship like you mentioned earlier. And then you can ask for the 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 letter of recommendation. Yeah, and I also think this comes back to when you're actually shadowing to be engaged and ask questions and let your personality yeah. come out because they might not know what to say for a student who didn't say a word the whole day. Right. So, you know, you want yeah. you want them to be able to have something to go off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, you <laughs> need to be engaged. And it's, we had one person and she she seemed interested, but it was, you know, and I would ask her like a, you know, explain something. Does it, okay. And does this make sense? Oh yeah. Okay. And she didn't ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, she still gave a, a pretty good impression, but it's like she left and we're all like, do she, do you think she likes this or not? Yeah. And we, and we couldn't really tell. And that's not a good, and that's not the impression you want to leave yeah. the PAs with. Yeah. Definitely let the PA know how, how you felt about everything before you leave. You know, mm-hmm. you, you don't want them wondering oh if she liked it or not right yeah and um, unless you really didn't and you and you shadow and you go this is really isn't the field for me then that's fine because you're not going to pursue it anyways but if you're going to you want to leave with the impression that you at least appreciated what you absolutely all right at this point i want to talk about some of my experiences with shadowing so we've gone through what the prospective student should do according to us as far as getting shadowing opportunities and how to act 
and you know what to do and what to ask and how to follow up. And I want to kind of flip it now. So this is from the perspective of, I'm going to say experienced PA. <laughs> you can read older if you like. <laughs> but because I've had over the last year, I think I've had like at least five people come in shadow and it, with different experiences for them. Some of them were a few times. Some of them was just once. Um, and so the way that, like I said, I kind of connected with Rosalind Franklin and the Carroll University program. Um, and then we've had people just like I had, I had, I had my 14 year old nephew come oh. me <laughs> for, for a few hours. Um, not that he's interested in becoming a PA, but he just, he's interested in, in the lab mm-hmm. field. And so I arranged it with my, you know, my sister, his, his mom, and he came in and, uh, got to see part of an autopsy and, uh, you know, some, some of the grossing that I did, you know, I tried to find, he's, he's a 14 year old boy. So I tried to find the grossest <laughs> stuff and we have, he, he got to see a leg and a foot and some other, mm. uh, colon, I think some other stuff. So, All the gross things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he, and he liked it. <laughs> um, but some of the other people, so and most of this has been in person. Um, there's always like this, uh, form you have to fill out confident confidentiality. Like you agree that you're not going to, you know, you know, you're seeing protected patient information mm-hmm. and you have to agree that you're not going to repeat that elsewhere or take any pictures and things yes. like that. And then we, we, you know, we require TB test in, uh, some other uh, immunizations, I forget what they are, but so all of that is required before you can even come in. And then, uh, so people come in and we, um, you know, there's, there's four of us PAs where I work. So it's kind of who's ever got the most interesting specimen at the time they they can watch. Uh, and, and it's, it, it's, it's nice. I mean, it's usually like, two, like I said, two hours, sometimes three, if there's a lot of really cool stuff and they want to stick mm-hmm. around. You know, um, I like it a lot. It's sometimes, depending on the day, maybe it's not as busy as uh, I would have liked and they don't get to see as many complicated specimens. But, you know, then you can show them uh, other things. You know, like I said, we always take them on a tour of the lab and show them the whole process. I like to try and show them uh, histotech, like actually embedding Mm -hmm. and actually cutting. And then I'll show them you know, the stainers and stuff and how that works and things like that. So that's, that's how it kind of how it works in person. And it's been a really good experience. We've been trying to do more of that recently. Um, and, and I like it a lot. I think, I feel like for me, from, from my perspective, it's a good way to, and people like to use the term give back to the field, which I think is overused, but is really true in this, in this case, because that's what you're doing. You're trying to influence the, the future of, of the field. And it's a field that I love. And so I try to be helpful to people coming into it. And even if they don't pursue the career, at least they have a better understanding of what it is. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll tell other people about it. So that's why I like to do that. But the other story I wanted to tell, there's been one person who was, who has been shadowing me virtually. Oh, wow. And yeah. And this is, so she got, connected with me through Rosalind Franklin. And like I said, I'm in Milwaukee. She's in Georgia. (laughs) It's a little far. I I forget. (laughs) Yeah. And, and she emailed me one day. So I got your email from Rosalind Franklin and 
you know, there aren't many shadowing opportunities around where I live. Like, would we be able to work out something virtually? So I, you know, I had to talk to my manager at work, like, can I do this? You know, this is going to be over Zoom is what we were using. And he said, well, if she was here in person, because my, my fear was, you know, this is over the internet and there's protected health information that she, you know, she's going to see, uh, names on containers and names on cassettes and case numbers and stuff like that. And he said, well, if she was here in person, she would see those things anyway. Exactly. Right. So all, as long as she, you know, signs the form and agrees to confidentiality and all that stuff, she has to agree that she can't take any pictures, no screenshots, you know, no recording of the Zoom call, basically. And okay, so that, that made sense. That was fine. And uh, so we we arranged like for every every Thursday from two to four, we've got like a standing Zoom call. Um, and there have been, you know, we've had to cancel here and there for various things. But then that's been going on since I think September. And yeah. and we're still we're still doing that. And it's been really interesting. I actually have come to prefer this virtual method better because I've got I can put I have like a camera stand on my grow station and I got a phone attachment for that. And I just stick my phone on there and then it's like facing down at the cutting board and she just watches me grow for two hours every Thursday. And I don't have to we don't have to figure out because you know a lot of gross rooms, there's not a lot of space oh, yeah. and we don't have to figure <laughs> out, right. How, how do you fit another person in yeah. there? And I don't have to do that for this. Uh, and I can, there, there was a couple times, like we have, um, one of those whole logic x-ray machines for breast specimens. So when I was going to go use that, I take the specimen over there and I put the information in and then I'd grab the phone to bring it over there and show her the screen. So she, stuff like that. And so sometimes I'd have to kind of carry my phone around, which is a little weird. Mm-hmm. But, but, but it worked out fine and it, and it's been great. Um, That's wonderful. And yeah. And I, like, I'd, I'd love to do more of that. And I think I've been thinking about that when we were talking about doing this episode, that the whole virtual aspect, I think is a good, good opportunity to really expand, um, the access to shadowing opportunities for prospective students. Yeah. Because a lot of people, they don't live near. Uh, a hospital that would allow this, or they don't live near one of the training programs, or you know. So this way, uh, they could connect with people virtually and still get the same—not the same, but pretty close to the same experience. They can at least see things. You can't really touch them, no. obviously, but but at least they can see what's going on and they can get that explained by the person who's grossing them. So that's been—I wanted to talk about that because that's been a great experience for me having to do this and we've built a relationship. Um, I get to, you know, learn about kind of her sort of career path. She's the one that I mentioned earlier. She's a grossing tech. Mm, okay. Right. And so I get to hear about what she's doing and she's like, you know, she, I can give her my opinion of what I think, you, you know, things she should do that make her a better candidate to get into a program things like that. Yeah. I think if we learned anything from COVID, it's that a lot of things can be done virtual now. And yes. I think that's really innovative of her to reach out for a virtual experience because she's showing that she's really committed to learning more about this field. And again, yeah, not everyone lives in an area where 
there's a lot of PAs, even, even myself. I live in South Jersey and there's only a few hospitals in my area and each hospital only has one PA. So student, students in my area are at a disadvantage as opposed to students who might live in more metropolitan areas. So I think, I think virtual is probably going to start becoming more common as, as we go on. And as the world becomes more popular, more students are going to be reaching out for shadowing experiences. Yeah. And, and I hope they do. I, like I said, it's been great, a great experience for me. And I know it's been good for her. She's learned so much. We're at a point now where I'll pull out a specimen and I'll, you know, explain this is what this is, whatever. And like, and then go, okay, how do you think I should cut this? Nice. Right. And she remembers because of previous specimens and previous weeks that we've done this and so she's i can i can see that she's learning things yeah which is super rewarding for me yeah just because she's miles away doesn't mean she's not learning anything because she's not actually in person you know right right so that's and that's where i want to go next like being the the pa being shadowed what am i getting out of this Mm -hmm. you know other you know i'm giving up two hours of my day every week but it's rewarding for me because I feel like I'm teaching someone and she's she's really learning it. Like I can see it. I can I can hear it from her. And she's very excited about the specimens that I show her. And again, like we mentioned earlier, this helps out the profession because it helps out future students, of course. But it even if they don't go into the field, they still have a better understanding of what it is. Yeah, I like what you said earlier about giving back to the field and you know, you love what mm-hmm. you do and you love sharing what you do because I feel the same exact way. I I like to share cool cases on my Instagram because I really feel, I feel extremely grateful that I found this field because it's perfect for me. And a lot of my classmates when I was in school were all people who were in their late 20s, early 30s, some 40s, who, you know, had just discovered what this field is. And I think a lot of people would love this field. They just don't know it exists yet. Totally. And this, I think shadowing is a great way to, to help spread the word about that. I mean, even the people that are doing the shadowing, it's benefiting them, but maybe they're telling their friends and relatives and uh, coworkers, whatever, about mm-hmm. it, which again, expands our reach and makes us more known over, over time. Yeah. I have, my mom works in education and she always has you know, her coworkers or friends who have children who are starting to think about what they want to do with their, with, you know, what they want to do when they grow up. And they ask me questions like, how did you get into this? So do you think this is something that my child could do or would be interested in? And I think, I think you don't know if you're interested in it until you actually learn more about it and get that shadowing. And yeah, I think there's a lot of jobs in medicine that aren't with patients. And I think people don't don't think about that. Right, right. A lot of the people, almost all of them that I talk to about shadowing, especially students looking for shadowing, they always say that it's so hard to find shadowing opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know you and I have been talking about this. I hear that too. Kind of came up with the idea of maybe using social media. If we came up with, with a hashtag that prospective students could search for, to help them find shadowing opportunities. And uh, so, so let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I remember when I was first becoming interested in the field, 
going on Instagram and trying to find mm-hmm. PAs. I remember, I think everyone knows Nicole and Jemmy, who is on Instagram. Sure. A lot of interesting cases. And there's also, yeah, there's a lot of PAs on Instagram who are sharing cases. And I think social media is a tool for people to get in contact with each other. And so I definitely think a hashtag for students to be able to search to find willing PAs would make it a lot easier for people to find shadowing. Right. Okay. So we the hashtag we came up with, it's hashtag path a shadow. Mm-hmm. And what we're asking everyone to do, or if, if you're, again, an experienced PA and you're willing to have someone shadow you either in person or virtually, put this in your social media, hashtag path a shadow. And then these students can search for that and hopefully find you and connect with you. And again, even if you're not able to help them, maybe you know someone who can. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm urging everyone to, I, I've already added this to my social media for, for the podcast um, because I am open to shadowing and I, I want help. I want to help people find these opportunities. Absolutely. So I, I'm going to try to reach out to some of the training programs and tell them up that we're, we're starting this hashtag and they can, when they have prospective students, contact them to find shadowing opportunities. They can tell them about it and they can search for this and hopefully get connected with someone who can help. Yeah. And like I said, PAs know, we all know, we know each other all over the country. So even if you get Mm -hmm. into contact with a PA that might not be in your field, if they can't do virtual, they probably know someone that is in your, in your area. Right. Right. Perfect. All right, I'm going to link in the show notes. I'll put links to your Instagram and your Twitter because like you said, you you put interesting cases up yeah. there. The other thing though I want to link to is your Etsy store because okay. you make pathology themed products. Yeah. And I, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about that because it's some really cool stuff and I actually have one of them. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, so I have an Etsy shop, Lethally Blonde Gifts. It's like Legally Blonde, but lethal. Um, yeah, I noticed that, you know, when you go on Etsy, when you go online, the... The gifts for pathology people were extremely lacking. So I'm a yeah. I'm a very artsy person. You know, I love to embroider. I have a cricket. Um, I wanted to create things that people in our field could use. So I've been doing it for a few years now. And so people seem to really like it. Sometimes I make little embroideries. I make brooches. I make artwork. Um, I also make cups and things like that for you to, you know, keep in the break room and, you know, show off your love for pathology. Cool. Yeah, and like I said, I have one of these. I have, I think it's one. It's a it's a brooch. It's the placenta kind of brooch. brooch. Which every, <laughs> yeah, which everybody who knows me at work, they know the placentas are my favorite specimen. So of course, I have. I had to. I had to have that as soon as I saw. That's it. funny. Placentas are mine too. I'm actually. I'm awesome. working on one for myself, and I'm also interested. I'm currently working on a twin placenta that looks like it has like d- the dye infusion, like dye injection. Oh yeah, I've, I have to have that. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I worked for, at a children's hospital and we did a lot of injection studies. So okay. I, I love seeing all the colors go through the placenta. So I wanted to do an embroidery on that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm gonna, As soon as that's ready, I'm going to get it. <laughs> okay. All right, Olivia, this has been great. I hope, I hope everybody has gotten a better understanding of what shadowing is, how to do it, and what what you can possibly get out of it and again the, the hashtag is going to be hashtag path a shadow yep. and i hope everybody starts using it and we can get more connections more shadowing opportunities and really improve 
uh, access to this for for people who want to get into our field. Mm-hmm. So this has been fun. Olivia Josephson, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. My first podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> That's an honor for me. Thank you. If you're looking for another episode of the People of Pathology podcast to check out after this one, here's a clip from my interview with Lou Mendez Kramer as we talk about the role of pathologist assistants in forensics. I think one of the proudest moments for me was at the, the name conference, I think it was 2019, when Dr. Webb, which was a forensic pathologist at uh, Wayne County, presented about forensic uh, PAs in the medical examiner setting and how he said he couldn't, uh, he couldn't imagine now practicing without a PA, without a forensic PA. And then he just pulls uh, a picture of uh, on a slide for a room of maybe like 250 people of our PAs, of, of my PAs. And that was, I felt like I was a proud mama. I was so proud of those uh, three PAs to be recognized for, you know, for being pioneers in this field. And, uh, and the fact that, you know, I had a tiny little bit to do with that. So that was very, um, that was super rewarding. You can hear more from Lou Mendez Kramer in episode 114. Okay, great big thanks to Olivia Josephson. This topic was actually inspired by an Instagram reel that she posted uh, not too long ago. So let's recap. If you're looking for shattering opportunities, contact the training programs or find some PAs on social media. Once you find someone to shadow, send them an email that is professional and short. Get to the point and be respectful of their time. Ask questions while you're shadowing. Remember, you're trying to learn what it's like to work in this field. Send a follow-up email afterwards. If you really wanna make a good impression, mention some things you learned during your time shadowing. This is also a good time to ask any additional questions you might have. If you think you might need a letter of recommendation from this person, be sure to keep in touch with them from time to time. Don't forget about the possibility of virtual shadowing. It's not as good as doing it in person, but it could open up more opportunities for more prospective students. If you're the person being shadowed, there are benefits in this for you. Personally, I found it very rewarding. It makes me really think about what I'm doing And I think it's helpful to have to explain it to someone who's seeing it for the first time. Lastly, if you're a PA who is open to being shadowed, add hashtag PathAShadow to your social media pages so that prospective students can find you. Let me know what you think of this episode. It's a little different from the usual interview format. So if you like these more informational type episodes, I'll try to do more of them. I'll have links in the show notes to Olivia's social media pages, as well as her Etsy shop. Don't forget, you can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at People of Path, or just connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others. Together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. You can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network, And while you're there, check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Dennis Strank, and I'll talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast.